everybody, and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 105 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. You can, of course, play along with Cana Rinse Volume 3, and the next five issues we have coming up include Killzone 2 and Killzone 3. Then it's Proteus, a change of tack once again with Mark of the Ninja. Then we start our Super Mario Brothers core series complete with Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels, and Super Mario Brothers 3 in one platform-packed show. And after that, it's all of Super Monkey Ball, with a focus on the original and the first sequel. But bless Darren Gargett, for he has played all of the Monkey Balls. Uh, he's currently recovering in a padded cell. You can head to canarince.com for the full schedule, the blog, and links to our forum, merchandise store, Facebook page, Twitter feed, and YouTube channel. As always, please subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. It makes us happy. But for this issue, it's Batman Arkham City. Joining me, Leon Calendarman Cox, we have Jay Two-Face Taylor. Hello. I'm casting no aspersions on your character there. James Clayface Carter. Uh, Hello. I'm casting no aspersions on your looks there. <laughs> and Darren Victor Zaz Foreman. Remember not to pick up that phone when I call you. I'm definitely casting aspersions on Darren character, Darren's character there. And they're all correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, starting with Jay, when did you buy and play Batman Arkham City? Uh, did you buy it at launch, which was uh, October, November 2011? Or did you acquire it sometime later? Um, I acquired it probably about a well a year later. Um, I got it for my birthday. Oh, nice! Yeah, so you're you're forty eighth. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that went down well. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> uh, so when was that? Uh, uh, twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Okay, yeah. and you've played some of it again more recently. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, it was also a, my copy was also a present. Uh, I think it's the finest way to receive a, a video game is when you are not remotely expecting it. It's not a birthday, not not a not a Christmas, um, but your a partner or another loved one comes home with a copy of a game that you've just mentioned in passing that you're interested in but you couldn't afford. And uh, bless her, Tanya did that for me with Batman Arkham City. Um, I think it was probably like a day after it came out, maybe on the Saturday or something like that. That was a you know it was a, like a little squee moment as uh, I was handed a probably an Asda bag with a copy of the game in it uh, I played it through at the time probably over a good couple of weeks or more it's quite a long game as we'll discuss um, I've been back to it in advance of this podcast but I've got nowhere near as far as I wanted to so apologies for that um, I'm backed up to about seven or eight percent of course, the intention was, and we'll also come on to this, to uh, focus on the, the story and, and, and uh, try to get through as much of the plot as possible. But be Arkham City being Arkham City, I ended up answering phones, collecting trophies, bursting balloons and doing everything but following <laughs> the story. So there it is. Uh, James? Um, yeah, I played Arkham Asylum back when it came out. Um, and so I was. this was firmly on my radar and picked it up. I'm pretty sure it was day one. I don't have an accurate record, but it would have been right at um, at, at release um, and played through it pretty swiftly. Um, I say swiftly, as you've said, it, it's a pretty long game and there's a lot of other stuff to do besides the main story. So, um, 100%? <laughs> no, not not 100% um, for, for reasons we'll no doubt get into later. Jay, you played it on PS3, didn't you, James? Mm. What about? 
360 originally. I replayed it last week, though, on PC. Yes, I should have said I, uh, my, my, my gift copy was a 360 version and my partial replay has been um, the game was given away, well, given away, <laughs> rented, or, or for subscribers to PS Plus was, uh, was a download of recent times mm. and uh, now removed from the service, I believe. But if you downloaded it at the time or started the download, it is yours for the duration of your subscription, for that is how PS Plus works. Um, so now I have it as long as I keep my PS Plus running, which will probably be until I die. <laughs> so uh, there we have it. Darren Foreman. Um, well, I bought this game at lunch. I got a Steelbook copy from Shop 2, I believe. It was the one with Catwoman in the back. Mm. And the reason that I was willing to buy this game at lunch is because Asylum had impressed me so much, mm-hmm. um, as I'm sure it did to a lot of people. I mean, licensed games have obviously had their ups and downs over the years, and a hell of a lot more downs, but this is one of the few times when the hype was justified. I loved Arkham Asylum. It was fantastic. So I was quite, uh, you know, eager to get my mitts into this game, and obviously we're going to get into just what I thought of it, but I was kind of not blown away by this one quite as much. Yeah, I've definitely heard this from a lot of people, um, and uh, I think, yeah, we're obviously going to talk about that. Uh, what I don't want to do is spend the, the entire podcast comparing the two games. I think it's yeah. difficult not to compare them because obviously it is a direct sequel. It's by the exact same team and all that, but uh, it is a game in its own right, and they were obviously attempting something different, but certainly anecdotally, and obviously there's a lot of this is about perception, um, I think hype for this game was bigger. Um, I think Arkham Asylum came out, and we, we talked about a lot about this on the previous podcast, which was issue 101. Um, Jay and I were on the Arkham Asylum podcast, along with Carl and Josh. Uh, we all very much enjoyed Arkham Asylum. It was one of the games with the fewest kind of ne- uh, negative comments I can think of of any game really that we've covered um but certainly i think after the uh the, the sort of pleasant surprise that was arkham asylum the sequel came in on a, on a lot of hype people were looking forward to it like you were darren uh the review scores were higher and so hype grew even more and mm. ever since then i feel like even going into that arkham asylum podcast we were asking for three word reviews as we do and a lot of them related to how it was better than the sequel and, and blah 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 so um but what we want to do is talk about our you know actual feelings as regards to this game and and how we preferred or didn't prefer things it did um because i'm kind of you know, i think there are some things which i liked about the sequel and it's not it's not quite so clear-cut for me but uh there we go so yeah i mean expectations did lead to disappointment you know there's no doubt about that yeah. so yeah and it may may have flipped around again with with origins which i'll ask you to about at, at the end of the podcast mm, yeah uh, so, yes, this was October, November 2011 originally. The Wii U uh, Armoured Edition, I think it was called, and a an, uh, Mac version came out late uh, the following year, just a year ago now, November, December 2012. Uh, this is your definite spoiler warning for this one. Um, there are some story elements to Batman Arkham City that if you haven't played it, you probably wouldn't want spoiled. I suspect that most people listening to podcasts will have already played through or know the final score, as it were. So, but there it is. That's your warning. It is now over. I think it's fair to say that uh, everything about what we'll talk about this game and the developer's ambition. Again, this was the same developer, Rocksteady. All the names we name checked the last time. Sefton Hill was a director. Uh, Paul Dini was a writer on it, and uh, the composers were the same: Ron Fish and Nick Arundel. Um, but their focus was very much about making a bigger game. Um, it's even from the title the clue is in the title it's a city not an asylum um and i was looking at the stats uh 
this is provided by users who have completed the game on the uh, quite handy website, especially for us, How Long to Beat. Um, so the main story of Arkham City, uh, they have it logged actually as half an hour shorter than Arkham Asylum at 12 hours compared to 12 and a half hours. Once you factor in the extra bits and bobs of the game, the sort of the optional side quests and stuff like that, or some of them, um, that increases to 20 and a half hours for City compared to 16 for uh, Asylum. But it's when you uh, look at the completionist figures that the difference is really noticeable. So in the rather more open world and less contained Arkham City, the completionist time is 47 hours compared to Asylum's 25 and a half, almost double. Thoughts, people? Makes complete sense, really, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I think, the thing is... Any, sorry, only go there. No, I'm just, I was just going to say that Arkham City is absolutely dense with things to do, you know? Every time you, mm. you pop your head around a corner, there's at least nine different things just jump in front of you and scream for your attention. It gives it a very different feel of a game because, much like many open-world games, I certainly have... have suggested that it can be a problem for pacing a story if there is so much else to do be it grand theft auto be it arkham city Hmm. um arkham asylum felt very much like there were riddler trophies and the the uh, environmental riddles that you could do in the way but uh, on the way through but actually just going around the world didn't take too long arkham city is as darren says dense with stuff to do i mean 440 riddler trophies just as a number to throw out there. And a lot of those you can't get until late on in the game because you're unlocking gadgets and hmm. um, you know different abilities that Batman would have to try and um, unlock some of those trophies. Um, but the number of side quests as well. Um, hmm. There's incidental uh, quests. There's, there's actual quest lines with different characters. Um, and there's also a lot of Easter eggs to go and do, not to mention yeah. one side quest that requires you to go back periodically throughout the year unless you mm. change your system clock like I did. But Yeah, and like I don't know about how you all feel about this, f- the philosophy of this game. Like, I don't remember too many people going into that game going, oh, no, it, you know, it, it's going to be loose or it's going to be it's going to be less well-paced because it's bigger. I remember people going, wow, it's going to be the whole of Arkham City and you're going to be able to go around and do all this stuff. As, But once it came out, I think um, there, there seemed to be a bit of a, a feeling that maybe they'd overreached. But from, from a point of view of, of marketing the sequel to, to Arkham Asylum or, or even pitching it to Warner Brothers, um, if, if indeed that's exactly how it worked, I mean, they already had, they obviously had City in mind because there was that Easter egg in the, in the first game but if they'd said right we're going to do another game that's uh you know similarly small and tight you know that it tends to be the way that video games work is that if you if you you know you you make a hit game you make another one and you make it you make more of it yeah and the problem with that approach as well though is that it's the freedom against the linearity you know the, i mean a great big open world sounds absolutely amazing but it's a lot harder to direct a player's experience the way you would want it as opposed to a more linear approach. So let's uh, rewind a bit and talk about the setting and the plot. Um, so the setting is Arkham City, which uh, is, and you'll have to forgive my haziness, but it is not dissimilar to uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York scenario in that uh, only instead of the actual New York and Manhattan Island, this is a section of the the sort of New York-styled gothic city that is gotham uh fenced off and turned into a kind of large living prison at both prison and asylum the idea mm. is that right. the, the line has been blurred between the inmates that went to arkham asylum and the inmates that went to blackgate and obviously um 
there's been an interchange between those in terms of some of the some of Batman's big rogues gallery ended up going to Blackgate, but then were deemed to actually be insane, so went to, to Arkham Asylum. Um, and so this is this is the melding of the two, basically. Uh, Quincy Sharp, uh, in his mayoral campaign at the behest of Hugo Strange, put forward this um, plan to create this basically supermax prison, essentially, out of the sort of slum rundown area of of Gotham, which includes some of the sort of more famous landmarks from Batman's past as well. But um, they're they're essentially writing off a large section of the city. And Bruce Wayne ends up inside via slightly contrived means. Yeah, he goes on the campaign trail and gets dragged on in. Yeah, I mean, I say contrived. I'm sort of thinking that I felt the whole setup was a was a, perhaps a little contrived to to force the game into this environment. Yeah. Whereas uh, may, maybe I'd have preferred like if they were going for the open world Batman, like, you know, something that encompassed the whole of Gotham that had obviously it would have been a bigger ask, but they still could have they still could have done it that with the same like that with the same sized area. Yeah, I mean to me it felt a bit like a continuation of the promotional movie where uh, you've got Hugo Strange going, Bruce Wayne, I know your identity. And I just kind of feel that they were trying to ram that home right at the start, that uh, Batman is basically being, well, I suppose watched just by Hugo Strange, you know, to see what he's up to and mm. make sure he toes the line. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the entire reason he's, he's kidnapped at the very beginning anyway, so that because they know who he is. So they figured that rather than have him running round outside, they, they contain him within the city. Yeah, it is um, only Hugo Strange that knows, though, like none of the lackeys yeah. know and none of the supervillains either. Well, Raz Ghul knows as well, doesn't he? So well, yeah, because yeah, Talia knows. So yeah. yeah, there's a few. Yeah, there's a few scattered ones, but it's not common knowledge at this point. No, 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 no. And it never becomes common knowledge. But that's the reason why he's he's. Well, you say contrived at the start. I suppose it is, but he's there protesting against um, Arkham City, knowing that it's a dangerous place. Then he gets taken by those tiger guards, doesn't he? So, um, but then yeah, he kind of works. I, I I didn't have a problem with it um, within the. Sort of the narrative. next question, does it work? Does it work the for you? The strange thing is that it didn't work for me and I've, I'm not yeah. entirely sure why. I can't pin it mm-hmm. down, but it just... One of the big problems with City is that it all seems to be trying to ram things down your throat. And I just felt like mm-hmm. the intro was trying to shove too much into it once and it didn't quite make sense to me, you know? And I couldn't exactly say why it didn't make sense. It just... The whole approach that Bruce Wayne did to get in there, that makes no sense. And even if he was kidnapped, you'd think that he would have a little bit more gumption than to protest and with absolutely n- nobody trying to guard them you know mm. I, I think for me i know we're trying not to compare to arkham asylum but um if you sum up the plot of arkham city in a sentence it asks a big suspension of disbelief mm. right off the bat yeah sorry pardon the pun <laughs> um, but you immediately have to just say okay w- w- this is a world in which politicians are able to manipulate a situation where an entire populace of a city is okay with just presumably ousting a bunch of people from their homes. Even if we're talking a rundown slum area of a city, that's an entire area where they've just got to evict everyone, put a wall up and throw all the criminals in. You know, it's a big ask for people to say, yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. Because to me, that doesn't seem reasonable. It also doesn't seem reasonable that it's taken... This this, um, asylum or prison is already established by the time the game begins and Bruce is only just starting a campaign to get it closed down. I mean, isn't isn't this whole, the Arkham City itself, a contrivance 
in as much that it didn't exist in the comics because I've tried to find reference to it today and I couldn't see anything any mention of it outside of the game so you've got Blackgate Prison and you've got Arkham Asylum which are you know known for for the longest time within the comics of mythos but Arkham City itself feels like it's something that's been created solely for the game itself so so. wouldn't we say as gamers that such a contrivance is fine if it uh, makes for the best video game possible and it certainly does allow us as as Batman to zoom about the place and climb taller skyscrapers and and it and explains jump down a lack of pedestrians and, and civilians mm. rather. Um, That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it, yeah. it certainly creates a setting where if you're able to to swallow that initial pill, as it were, and actually mm. accept that this has been built and just go with it, then yeah, certainly it it you can you can just imagine this world is now just contained within the city walls. It kind of doesn't matter how those walls got there. The point is, and I suppose the point of the intro is that that it doesn't matter how Bruce Wayne ended up in here. The point is he's now in here, as are, you know, almost every single one of the very people he does not want to be locked up in a city with. Or actually, maybe he does, as it turns out, because he's able to... to, um, you know, to go from one building to the next, from Two Face to Penguin to to Doctor Freeze, etc. Um, uh, so, Mister Freeze, he doesn't have a doctor. Sorry, in big Freeze. pardon. Yeah, Mister Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, you know, this is a game asking us to spend suspend our disbelief in a world that has Clayface and the Penguin mm. and you know all these things. And yeah, well, absolutely. Obviously, yeah. for different people, the the the, the believability and the and the stretch. Uh, the suspension of disbelief is is interesting how it works for for different people. Mm. Again, my feeling is that once I'm in there, even though I th- you know, my initial feelings for the, the opening cutscenes were was a little bit kind of hmm, not too sure about this. Once I'm in, I'm like, okay, I get, I get, I get this. I get why they've done this. Mm. It, it's it's a playground. It's a larger playground that allows, as I say. Um, us to have more agency in terms of actually getting about the place. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's quite liberating being being the caped crusader and you know just actually being able to you know sit atop a a very tall building and and scan what's going on around you and stuff like that. That added a certain a Batmanish feel that perhaps the, the its predecessor mm. didn't have. It adds yeah. a verticality definitely as well. It, it gives a lot more scope for high rise buildings that that wouldn't have been possible in other settings unless it yeah. had been this this particular city. Yeah. If we could just go back to that intro for just one moment. I think the mm. problem with it is that the game does such a good job of kind of, like, well, the entire series under uh, Rocksteady's oversight has... It's always had this really decent way of explaining why things are the way they are in a, in a believable and consistent way. And uh, that intro just didn't have that believability, you know? It kind of... It seems like lunacy compared to some of the... The explanations for other things that happened throughout the series. And another uh, contentious issue for some, I know, uh, including our own Carl, is that where we celebrated uh, before, the, you know, the Rogues Gallery and stuff like that, of Batman, it's one of one of his most famous elements. Um, in fact, you know, there's a great argument that Batman is a terrible thing for for crime, not in the way that he wants to be, because you know everyone's attracted towards him seemingly. Um, so, whereas many characters previously were hinted at or or were you know, the solution to to riddles in city there are he deals with a, a huge number of antagonists i think this is possibly i i overall i think i sit in the minority and that i actually prefer this game over its predecessor mm-hmm. but 
if I had a problem, it's just the sheer volume of people in there. Mm. And and some of the major what are major Batman villains? So people like Poison mm. Ivy and, and, and Bane are reduced to mere cameos, if you will, and, and feel kind of slightly hard done by in this game. Um and there's just so many people that do within this of the overall story. There's just mm. so many characters. Some work better than others. Um See, you know. That's the thing. I mean, I was absolutely raging with uh, just how quickly Two Face was introduced and shoved to the side, you know? I mean, Two-Face by himself would make an excellent villain that could mm. pretty much prop up the entire uh, antagonist role by himself. And he's in the game for about five minutes near the start, and about five minutes near the end. It's it's quite interesting that without Catwoman being in, in this game, Two-Face and, and Poison Ivy's roles are even more reduced, which obviously for some people, Catwoman was not in a playable character, and therefore it would have felt even more like a cameo. Yeah, I was going to talk uh, specifically about Catwoman um, as yeah. she was effectively, or well, the DLC was effectively a um, you know a project ten dollar type um, season you know, pass, first, not season, season pass, pass yeah, first but, owners, yeah, yeah, type thing. Uh, I was pleased that uh, that was included with the uh, the PS Plus version um, as yeah. a, as effectively it was a new copy. But yes, as I recall, you actually you. She has these um, little sort of cameo chapters, which tend to be fairly brief, yeah. as she uh, sort of uh, flits in and out of, of Batman's story. Um, I actually always quite enjoyed it when when these cropped up, and you you in fact you play as Catwoman first, I think. If yes, you've got the yeah, yeah. And uh, her combat is very similar to the free flow combat of Batman, but subtly different. Um, and uh, you know, as much as anything, the, the audio visual side of it makes you feel like you're doing something different. Um, later on, she acquires some of her own uh, gadgets and gimmicks and things like that. Um, but yes, it was a it's a strange. I mean, most companies seemingly now are abandoning these uh, these types of online passes and stuff like this. And I assume it will be the same with. I don't know actually. Maybe this sort of DLC that comes for first time owners. I'm not sure, but. Um, I, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it being included in that way. It was available for purchase for, for pre-owned copies, and it wasn't essential, in but fact, I enjoyed it. To be honest, I mean, it, the Catwoman's sections for me were fairly average, and to be honest, I could have uh, quite happily just played the Batman elements and ignored everything that she had to do with the story. Basically, I don't think she would have been a great omission for a lot of people. Kind of fills up the backstory a little bit, but um, I wasn't overly enamored with her sections i'm i'm quite torn because i really enjoyed playing as catwoman i like the fact that she's faster um noticeably faster to me at least um batman always seemed very quick compared to all of his enemies really in um in arkham city aside from just a handful of um you know the uh the league of shadows and that kind of thing the, those assassins um but catwoman's just way quicker and has fewer gadgets, which you'd expect. I mean, that fits her her um, character versus Batman's. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed playing it. I enjoyed the Poison Ivy fight. It was just a nice chance to be really fast round a um, round a series of tier, a sort of tiered fight, um, which yeah, was, it was like a, cha- a challenge. Section yeah, yeah, it was like a, a sort of three challenge. stacked combat challenges, one on top of the other. Um, yeah. So I I enjoyed playing them, but ultimately, I have to admit that completely lifts out. It's obvious that that is completely unnecessary to be in there. Catwoman still appears in the game 
I've never played it without having that the DLC installed, but you can see that she would be in the cutscene. Batman goes to rescue her from Two Face in the first instance. Um, then in you know she rescues him later down the line. It doesn't actually require you to have played as her. She'll just pop up in the cutscene. Um, mm. It completely lifts out, and that's the problem with putting all of this behind a. It's not a paywall in this case. It's just a, an incentive to buy a new copy and, yeah. and a disincentive rather to to buy a used copy. But it kind of makes a mockery of it if it's just going to lift out that easily. What are you really missing out on if you don't have it? The answer is a slightly different style of combat um, and a couple of, of fight scenes, mm. which is I mean, there is the option to to buy it if you didn't get it with the game. You can yeah. play it. You can play it um, in isolation anyway from a, mm. from an option in the menu. I'm not sure you know how that would kind of be like a, a sequence of of challenges in a way. Um, but yes, ultimately the game does open up for her though doesn't it because yeah. she has uh i don't know what her number of riddler trophies 40. is um 40 riddler yeah, trophies spread Batman, throughout arkham for, city uh, yeah. she has different um she can clamber on she she pounces in a feline manner up yeah, walls yeah. and she can hang upside down from grates and things like that which all of which i enjoyed um maybe it's just because i'm a fan of cats even if i wasn't particularly a fan of her design in this i didn't think she looked particularly like an amazing Catwoman, like you know not as striking as say michelle pfeiffer's in batman returns or something like that um but it was fine and um yeah i mean i i certainly wouldn't have been heartbroken had it not been in there and and it like you like you say james i think mm. it it did feel to me as as like it was yeah sort of wedged in there at points but I still had fun playing as, as her. Yeah. Jay, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing as her as well. I mm. like the different movesets and so on. But I like I spent a lot of time, you know, where you get those points in on the map where you can swap between the characters at any time. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time just, just patrol going around the city. I mean, obviously the the trophies, the, her specific trophies were the main reason behind that. But you know, I yeah. find, I kept finding myself going through all the different rooms and different buildings to see how, you know, whether anything opened up and stuff. And mm. I did wonder at the time whether, you know, this was, you know, maybe a tease as to where they might, you know, there might be a splinter game come out of this. I liked the little kind of snarky remarks she makes to Batman all the time. I mean, I know that's what the character's there for, but I thought mm. it was performed well and played well and, and worked for me. I, I quite enjoyed having the character in there. The thing is, I mean, I didn't exactly mind her on combat so much, but I just didn't particularly enjoy her method of getting around the city, you know? Like, uh, no grappling hook, no ability to glide, and just whipping yourself up ledges. It just didn't feel as fun to me, you know? Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. It takes a little bit of getting used to that pouncing, actually. But um, Grey Delisle did the voice of uh, Celia Nicole in Catwoman, also mm. Martha Wayne in this one. Um, there were a few uh, voice changes. Um, I think we re referred to them in the previous Batman issue. Uh, Tara Strong, she obviously replaced a beloved uh, voice actor in Arlene Sorkin, uh, who was who was Harley Quinn, because as we discussed in the in the previous podcast, uh, Harley Quinn was created for the animated series, and so she was always voiced by Arlene Sorkin. So, but uh, Tara Strong came in and, and it was reliable. Um, some people didn't like the changes they made to her costume, who's kind of they went down an even more overtly sexual route than in Asylum. Um. Who, what was the other? There was oh, of course, uh, Nolan North as the Penguin. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, well, no, but the, the thing is, on one level, I was impressed because it didn't yes. sound like a Nolan North voice, and I, I yeah. was quite, you know, once I found out, I didn't know it was him until I looked up the credits and thought, wow, that's Nolan North, that's pretty good. There's a lot of times that happens with him. However, his, his yeah, his Dick Van Dyke Cockney <laughs> uh, slash whatever is um, bizarre. I know what you mean. <laughs> it. In a way, it kind of works because yeah. you can imagine. I know it's not how Burgess Meredith did it in in the '60s series or or Danny DeVito in Batman mm. Returns, but there's something that almost fits about the idea of having a character like that with a kind of dodgy American doing a Cockney accent yeah. like the Penguin. It, it's it's not it's not as kind of it's not a, as much of a disaster as say uh, you, James and Darren will appreciate the uh, the Scottish engineer in Mass Effect Two. It's fantastic, yeah. <laughs> it's the, the most convincing Scottish accent in game. I think uh, it's it's got a load of really well known voice actors in it. Maurice Lamarche, who's uh, who's who I love, who is the brain in Pinky and the Brain. He mm. plays uh, Mister Freeze. Uh, Fred Tatiascore, who comes up in everything. Uh, if that's how you pronounce it. Who's in everything? Steve Bloom, who's in everything. Yeah. Uh, Troy Baker plays uh, Robin, of course, and, and Two Face, and of course now he's the, the Joker. Kevin Conroy returns as Batman, but um, it's a pretty strong cast. One thing I. I remember, I mean, playing Asylum again recently, I was slightly uh, struck by some of the uh, the goon uh, voices were a little bit dodgy, it, you know, just in terms of their acting was a little mm. bit hammy. I know it's comic book stuff, but I, f- I felt City's goons were perhaps even more sort of along that, that line of being a little bit too kind of two-dimensional obvious. And and their 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 endless banter that you pick up all the time as you're mm. going around in Arkham City, an enormous amount of it does seem to focus on uh, misogyny. <laughs> I just I know that I know it's actually portraying them as scumbags, and and I get that. But there's so much talk about doing unspeakable things to various female characters; it does become a bit wearing after a while. Yeah, but the, you know, it just added to the enjoyment of beating the living daylights out of it. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was probably the idea. I'll just say that my biggest disappointment with the voice acting is the mm-hmm. fact that this, this is what I mean about Two-Face, you know, he should have been the main villain because you could have had like right. Nolan North as one side of him and Troy Baker as the other side. Mm. That would have mm. been amazing. Has that ever been done with a Two-Face incarnation played by two actors? I don't, I don't think, think so, but it is a good idea. I like, I like that. Hmm. Mm. It's free, Warner Brothers. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not free. Of course it's not free. The game almost encourages a, a, a kind of splintered conversation because that's how it feels to play it. See, the weird thing is when you actually look, when you think about the story, I mean, there's like three major threads going off, isn't there? But mm. I, it never, they never felt like separate en- entities whilst I was playing. I thought they did a good job of kind of blending them into one another and weaving them through this sort of quite, you know, convoluted sort of plot yeah. stuff. But it, I wonder if it did. Are you very? I wonder if it depends as to how people, how how much people get kind of, you know, lose the threads of the plot or lose interest in it or or, or lose engagement. Does it depend on your natural mode of play in an open world game? So my, th- you know, I am very much the kind of player who is like oh shiny riddler trophy okay mm. i'll spend five minutes trying to work out how to get that and actually in with, with the riddler trophies in this the ones that are dotted around the external i, I ended up feeling overwhelmed by it just yeah. 
constantly like, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. And then the phone would ring and I'd do something else. Oh, there's some balloons. I'll go and get those. Ah, there's a security camera. Oh, now there's some, I can see somebody being, and then by the time you've actually got through this, and of course it just, one one leads to another, leads to Mm. another, leads to another. And you spent 35 minutes just doing that stuff. And I'm not saying it's not enjoyable because I certainly did enjoy it. But... The weird thing is, I the mean, I, I, would, got lost. I would continually get um, just pulled away from the path that I was following to go chasing after all the, all the shinies. But there was something That's about it, the yeah. sheer volume of, them, volume of them that made me stop after a very short time, you know? Like, mm. I picked up a couple of phones, mm. um, d- did the rush to pick up the other phone, and wasn't really enjoying it. Then I started doing the Riddler trophies, got a few of them, found a few that I couldn't actually get my hands on, and thought, I don't really want to do this. You know, so like the the sheer amount of things that's in there is good if you're of the mentality that you're a completionist or you really want to see what happens at the end of the Riddler storyline. But the problem is, like, with the main story, I felt that even that was getting sidetracked too often. You know, it would you'd be after someone and then someone else would uh, show their face around the corner. You'd suddenly be going going after the penguin as opposed to finding out more about Protocol Ten and all the rest of it. And mm. um, it it just felt like really disjointed, like the entire game felt like a massive bunch of ideas that was crammed into some kind of Katamari device. I have a weird relationship with this because, like you, Leon, I, I see something, you know, I, I'm flying over the city or gliding, rather, over the city, uh, falling with style over the city, mm-hmm. um, and I, I see the, the sort of green Riddler trophy or, or one of the green pads that I need to land on, um, and so I'll, I'll go down to it. It just felt like, first of all, there's too many Riddler trophies. And I, I say that, and I... I I can't imagine many people disagreeing with me. Uh, When I first finished the game, naturally the first thing you do is go to Twitter and make some pithy comment, which I dutifully did. Um, And my comment was, they've got a a system in in Arkham City similar to they've had before, where you unlock New Game Plus mode when you complete Mm. the game first time. Why aren't 200 of those trophies in New Game Plus mode? Mm. And the first 200, the easier 200, if you like, the ones to whet your appetite... Enough to f- so I ended up getting enough of them to see the Riddler story through, um, but for oh, some okay. for yeah. some reason it really felt aggressively that the number of trophies that I went to try and get, the number of things I would try to go and do, and then be told, nope, you can't do that yet. You know, you'd you'd chase down one Riddler lead, and then you'd be told, sorry, you've got to go and find more. Mm. Um, more secrets around so that's all the collectibles basically not just riddler trophies um any of the collectibles um start tallying up towards his challenges there's a massive grid of things to tick off um in each area of the game um and you know you'd be flying over the city and you'd drop down to try and you'd just spotted a new riddler trophy and you'd go and try and get it and it's like no clearly i don't have what i need to be able to do this yet it just felt like there was too many times when i was being told Nope, come back later. Every yeah. time that happens, that's another player. To me, it seems obvious that that's another player saying, "Well, I'm not going to bother with these then." So you can uh, you can scan them in a Metroid Prime yeah. style to to remind yourself where they were, which is something you didn't have to do in Asylum because you would just collect these maps uh, if you yeah. if you came across them. Which is nice. It's a nice feature in a way because it allows you mm. to know where to go back. But again, once you keep the actual act of scanning them and then thought of going back and finding them, I think for, for me was, yeah, just a, it, the, the more there were, the less appealing. It's an extra idea. barrier. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It, it um, just feels like an extension. And I mean, that entire, the sheer volume of trophies, 
almost made it feel like the worst JRPG grind in existence. So, Jay, mm. this is what I was coming to, because I think three of us sort of feel the same about the, the Riddler trophies. Did, I mean, uh, you've played it through twice and a bit more. Yeah. And yeah. did you, you, you were saying earlier that your save files are showing percentages of 60, 70%. Yeah, 68 um, and 69 are the two highest right. ones. Yeah. So does that mean you did all the same ones twice or you went for different ones? Yeah, or? no, I, I mean, I, I would literally, as, as James alluded to earlier, with, with once you don't need to get them all to, un, to unlock yeah. the, the, the Riddler sort of okay. plot line, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think effectively I've got the ones that were easy. Um, there's still a hell of a lot where I was, I mean, a couple that I do want to get because I haven't, I, I, because they just tease me every time I go in the game I and I think good. I'm going to figure there out are some how to do some decent puzzles. That, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That they, they, and they, they ask you to do a lot of different styles of things. Mm. So some of them will be to do with, you know, getting from A to B in a, in a short space of time or using one of your multiple Batarang gadgets yeah. or, or just solving a puzzle. There was, I mean, we had this conversation with the, the asylum podcast where mm. overall we like the idea that the, the riddler didn't appear but i i like this plot line in this in the in in the sequel yeah. in the way that you've got all the riddler trophies and stuff but you get you get this well he's kidnapped a load of guards or or medics and stuff that you have to go and rescue which meant facing down him and then it basically works to this confrontation at the end where you take him out and I really enjoyed that stuff. I, I liked yeah. I liked the fact that he was in there and it felt like I was really going against him rather than, mm. you know, he was phoning it in, so to speak. But, yeah, um, yeah but there's still a hell of a lot of them left sitting yeah. there. Yeah, yeah I, I absolutely yeah. agree. Um, and I think this the very smart thing they did was um, they actually have you save uh, a group of uh, medics and, and police officers in uh, the church very yeah. near the beginning of the game. Um, and it's those people that you've already saved that he that he kidnaps, and and they're the ones he's threatening, um, and that's very smart because it means you inherently want to try and you feel some kind of um, need to 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 get them those people back because those are people who you've looked in the eye as Batman, obviously, um, and and have basically taken protection of, if you like. I would and just like to say that I had no out. such feelings. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, there's there's an interest because I'll uh, go, alluding to the overall story. I mean, that's where they introduce uh, I forget his real name. Is it Thomas Elliot Hush, the character? Uh, who, yeah, yeah. And that's where he's first introduced as well. Where he's lying on the gurney, isn't he? And and they talk about you know he doesn't say anything. He's just this motionless, bandaged up. Uh, yeah, yeah guy and and uh, you know one of the doctors said you know the guy kind of lost his mane and tore his face off and it's just and and then then that as well is another separate little pl- uh, subplot that progresses as you go through the game if you follow the clues there's yeah. so much stuff um as well you know there's uh dead shots mm. um snipers bullets to follow there's uh who's the mysterious watcher dude apologies for my uh, lack of comic Azrael. law Azrael. Azrael or Azrael. i can't remember Azrael. but, but yeah um, one of the two various prisoners in various buildings and and um bane's kegs of titan and mm. yeah just the thing is like I, I think um one of our at least one of our correspondents alludes to this it's, it's hard to kind of 
it feels harsh to to call you know call out the developers for basically you can imagine them saying we're going to put so much stuff mm. in it and it's going to be so <laughs> great and you know we're going to offer real value for money with this but i really do i sometimes it, i guess sometimes it is that less is more adage is true and i really like that idea actually james that you were saying about just split the trophies across two plays yeah. so actually as a reward or possibly a punishment, depending on how you see it, for completing the game once. It's like, well, you've done everything there is to do. Here's your 100%. Now we're going to reduce that percentage a little bit and you've got 200 more to do. 200, again, sounds daunting to me, but I think to people who had got that far to doing 100% on 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 non-new game plus would then go... Right. Okay. And we go back. We go. Because one rest. of the things that put me off New Game Plus was, well, there's going to be 400 trophies there, and it's not just 400 trophies. It's the same 400 trophies. Oh, yeah. At least if there were 200 different trophies. Does that not carry over then? The completed ones don't carry over. No, I don't. Um, it, they handle the New Game Plus situation in a really weird way, where you keep all your gadgets, but your completion percentages reset. I think. I, I've never oh, tried right. it, so I can't. I don't know for sure, but they have this really weird situation where, although you're accessing, um, certainly in Origins, this you're accessing New Game Plus um, through the, the the file you've already opened with the percentage on there, but it but it promptly tells you that your percentage won't carry over. It's just your gadgets that do. But the very fact that your gadgets carry over it, to to come back to mm. the point um, that that you just made means that you go into New Game Plus with the gadgets at your disposal to be able to tackle some tougher trophies as well some tougher puzzles to get those riddler trophies and that kind of thing they, they, i mean they change the the groups of enemies and make them more difficult obviously it would be nice to think that new game plus wasn't just a retread although the main story would be the same but actually a lot of what you're doing could have been made really different um and then that would sort of start to whisper out from people who who were trying new game plus and could you know entice people into it i would have thought yeah it could also have the effect of you know, rendering those trophies that you have got before as just being even more of a grind because you've got yeah. the, you've got the wherewithal to do them and you know the solution to the puzzle, so it's simply a, a fairly mindless act of carrying yeah. it out. Going back to the, the the story stuff, I'm curious as to what everybody thought of the overall story. I wasn't a fan overall. I was disappointed no. that so many classic, iconic uh, villains were just being ra- ramrooded out the way so that the Joker could come in and sit in his throne and dictate mm. everything again. Like, there, there's so many interesting and nuanced characters that just didn't get their time to shine. And every time that I saw one of them getting shafted so that the Joker could uh, do over Batman again or say something nasty, it just... Every time that happened, I just felt my... my like, that pit in the centre of my stomach just drop a little lower and I was like, this could be so much more. And I suppose it's maybe what I had hoped for, what I was expecting, mm. but what uh, Rocksteady gave in the end had so much promise and it just didn't deliver for me. And I suppose it, you can understand why why they brought Joker back. Obviously, mm. he is you know the main one and hugely popular. Um, but I suppose it also has the effect of bringing all those others in has the effect of kind of sidelining him as well. And you can see why when they've um, made uh, movie sequels like with uh, Batman Returns, they focused on two different villains, not eighteen, or and and didn't bring back a, a different Joker. And similarly with um, the Chris Nolan trilogy, there's only one with the Joker in, and uh, Scarecrow only makes cameos in the sequel, things like that. Um, and I know this is a you know this is a potentially fifty hour game as opposed to a two two and a half hour movie, but even so. Um, there's supposedly this thing in writing that uh, there's a certain amount of um, protagonists that the that 
people are kind of uh, prepared to uh, empathize with and uh, engage with their stories. And, uh, and I suppose this probably breaks that rule. Yeah, I think for me, it's strange because I guess what I'd say is I feel like Arkham City's story was built around them having a whiteboard up and just a list of all of the rogues gallery that they wanted to include. And then they wove a story around it. So it ends up feeling like I I can't get out the back of my head when I was replaying it last week. I couldn't get the notion of just a kid sitting there going, and then Batman goes to see the Joker, and then he goes to see Toothless, and then he goes, and and it's just that's like, what Jay was like playing it. Yeah, well, you know, the it. thing is, the, the thing about these games is, is the villains are more interesting than the the hero. Yeah, because I've always had this problem with Batman. I've had a lot of problem with a lot of superheroes. Is the sort of like all goody two shoes and a bit bland in the at the same time. Mm. So yeah. I find the villains far more interesting characters. So when there's oh, plenty yeah. of them. I think what they wanted to do, maybe because the the size of the game um, was going to be blown up so much more, maybe it was just a wish fulfillment thing where Rocksteady in the in Arkham Asylum it was very much you know um, Mister Freeze wasn't there, but he kind of was. The spectre of him was in the fact that his cell was there, um, and and likewise the Riddler wasn't there, but he was in a much more involved way. And there was all these hints and and. Uh, clues and just reminders of all these other uh, villains that you weren't going to get to see, but just a, a tip of the hat to to the legacy and to the, all this extra stuff that could be in. And then with Arkham City, it was like, right, we get to have all of these characters in now. And I just felt, for me, that was uh, it was too much. It felt like Two Face was in and then gone, and Batman was just running around from building to building with a different bad guy and a different plot line to follow. And it was it was a bit too much. I would have preferred something that that was just pared down and focused on the story, and then the villains that would would facilitate that could could come in and be a part of that. The thing is, for me, that it was simultaneously too much and not enough. Um, they were yeah. coming in, yeah. which is fair enough, but they were going out far too quickly. You know, there wasn't enough time to engage with these villains, and it was always segmented. You know, it always felt like they were against Batman. And while there was all this background chatter about how they're like trying to establish their turf against the other supervillains, I don't feel that um, their interactions with each other was woven into the tale anywhere near skillfully enough, you know? Mm. It always felt like you were taking on one guy at a time, and often that would just be far too brief. It would be, get in, do it, and this iconic supervillain, he's gone. Get on to the well, next the thing one. Is that, I mean, to some extent, that happens in the comics. Is it not just playing into that as well, you know? I mean, the thing is, I mean, that might be entirely true, you know? Like, maybe the people that read the comics enjoy that, but I've n not even read the comics. I can't remember right. reading a single Batman comic. So my experience is, is just compared to other okay. forms yeah. of storytelling, you know? So talking about all these uh, antagonists, uh, naturally there are a few boss fights, something that perhaps we were more critical of anything else with Arkham Asylum, but there are at least one or two that I think are quite well regarded in uh, from, from the correspondence in Arkham City, uh, particularly the Doctor Freeze. We've uh, given him a doctorate now. <laughs> um, now I have to admit, uh, I think there's some more uh, divisive opinions regarding the race, as I believe it's supposed to be said, mm -hmm. Al Ghul um, fight. I have to admit, most of these are very hazy in my memory, but the, the the freeze one is the only one that I do have a strong memory of, and I do remember it being quite clever, mm. uh, uh, in requiring the use of multiple techniques to to bring him down. Any other highs and lows, boss fight wise? 
Mr. Freeze boss fight. He is both Doctor and Mr. Incidentally, his uh, his yeah. stage name, if well, you like, Dr. is Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze, but he is also Doctor Victor Freeze. That's his his that's real true. name. So yeah, um, that's I think that is the standout. Um, the the Solomon Grundy fight is is interesting in a way, but as as soon as you realize, and I think the button the button prompt comes up, you realize what you have to do. It just becomes uh, a little more frustrating in that you're being hit while you're trying to lay the um, the explosive gel on the ground uh, using the the fast uh, techniques. Um, but the yeah the Mister Freeze fight. Uh, just because it's really tense, um, because everything you've been, everything you've been doing in the game really up to that point is just running straight up and punching people in the face, um, and in the whole fight there, um, if you start making mistakes, Alfred will come on and remind you you cannot take this guy down hand to hand, not head on at least, um, because his technology is just way too um, too advanced, too hardy for for Batman's. Uh, brute force to to break through so it becomes about using the other techniques that you've you've picked up in the game which is all the predator um side of things uh but but also the fact that mr freeze learns as you go so as soon as you've used one technique to attack him uh be that the um you know electrocuting him using the uh the generators on the wall or popping up from a, a um floor grate to attack him that then is no longer an option. He, um, you know, takes that out. You know, he'll he'll blast the generators with ice, so you can't use them. Um, he will not fall for the the floor grate attack again. Uh, and so you you really have. Uh, there's actually a menu pops up, which I didn't see first time round, but second time, uh, I did. There's a menu pops up and and gives you suggestions of about eighteen different ways you can actually attack him. And a lot of them you might not even think of, but what it does force you to do is really try and be creative with the environment and try to spot stuff uh that may be useful to you. And it really feels like you're being resourceful. Uh like Batman would have to be in the in the situation, I suppose. Any other boss fight memories? Jay, you've done them all twice at least. So. Yeah, well the the uh the freeze one does stand out. Um I quite like the clay face one. Um as it sort of lends, you know, towards the end. And I don't know whether I liked it in terms of gameplay or just the way it kind of looked, you know, the way that Clayface is and the way he sort of uses, you know, again, it, it changes slightly with with him sort of splintering off into loads of different characters coming at you and, and stuff. But, you know. Yeah, no, you've said that. I do remember that. And, of course, mm-hmm. uh, I believe one of the many, many Easter eggs, there's a wiki page I found with 60 Easter eggs listed for this game on mm-hmm. uh, some really cool ones. Uh, one of them is that you actually fight Clayface twice because uh, when you're fighting Joker at one point, uh, he is, if you have detective vision on, he has no skeleton. Um, so it's Clayface. Um, I think as far as the Ra's al Ghul, uh, the, the final fight of it I thought was quite interesting. You're You're being bombarded by uh sort of in that case it's kind of like sand men that he's created around you as well but you've also got to watch out for him attacking you from various directions so um Mm. the problem i had with with uh, that section was leading up to it the the test Mm. of your ability to become the the leader of the league of shadows is to glide through a dream sequence it's a good job you're Batman because anyone else would be screwed with that test. <laughs> and I know, okay, it's contextual the test, because the test. the test suits the, the person. Yeah. But the test of Batman is his ability to glide along a watery line in midair. That's the test. Mm. And and mm. not to hit the 
ground. That's not a test of character. That's a test of the player's ability to play the game, which breaks the wall for me. Breaks no. the fourth wall immediately. Um, that's and why quite ridiculously. Already... That's why all the other Definitely. candidates failed. They just didn't have a cape. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> a very good point. I loved. Uh, I loved the build-up to that sequence, though. The whole le- where you had to go underground and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going through all the the sewers into the old town, into that old yeah. um, like sort of yeah, steampunk um, type, yeah, world, Wonder like City, world. yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, and there's that weird croc cameo down there as well, which is <laughs> that's an that's an Easter egg or yeah. listed as an Easter egg, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, you know, by the time you get to that test, you probably will have done one of the other distractions in Arkham City, which are the uh, augmented reality tests, uh, which no, teach you how to. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> okay, they're actually worth doing because they give you... You get the grapnel boost. Power grapnel. boost. You yeah. get the grapnel boost. most people probably get to the point of getting the grapnel boost and then forget them. Yeah, but yeah. yeah the grapnel... I mean, I actually think the grapnel boost is a little bit controversial in that um, I like... As I say, I, I'm no huge Assassin's Creed fan. I've only played one of them all the way through. Um, but I like the the open world city thing and the, and the mm. clambering about the rooftops. And I like the idea of the fact that Arkham city sort of brought that slightly assassin's creedy thing into the, the Batman games. But for me, the grapnel boost, which pretty much means that you can fly pretty much. Mm. Um, it, again, it, while it helps your locomotion about this very large game area to, to get to all these umpteen billion things that you want to interact with. Um, it, kind of stops you feeling like batman so much because you're kind of flying a bit it starts to feel a bit more like a different superhero and yeah. maybe that's not right well, you're just kind of gliding upwards for a bit and then like jumping over the roof and gliding downwards again yeah but with the grapnel boost you're kind of flying that's what i mean getting pulled up then yeah. you overshoot your mark and then yeah. you're going down again and yeah. i mean that was in origins and i had no problem with it there that was in my second playthrough of the game where i did do the augmented reality and um yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have an issue with it personally, you know. I could see why, if you enjoyed clambering up the buildings and uh, ex- getting down and exploring and feeling as though you're skulking around the place, that it it could feel a little bit out of place and uh, um, against the, the the purpose of exploring. But yeah, that's all it is. It's not that I I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I did. It, it just, it just it, yeah, it, it, not quite Batman. It yeah, I, I can totally understand that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it it was the automation that I liked. You know, if I wanted to climb up and yeah. grapple, yeah. I could still do that. So it wasn't really a big issue for me. I think mm. the um, the Assassin's Creed reference is, is quite um, apt, though, because in a, with Assassin's Creed, it's varied from game to game. People have often found that, you know, you're running in a certain direction, suddenly the, the protagonist will just veer off to left or right because of a slight variation in how you're holding the stick. And with the grapnel boost, I found that as well. Some of the things you're trying to boost past... Um, end up pushing you in one direction or another that you didn't really want to be going. So it can, although it feels automatic and maybe a little less physical than, than actually just uh, climbing the buildings and, um, and doing sort of ignoring the grapnel boost um, and micromanaging the traversal a bit more. Uh, it, it does offer a certain amount of frustration if you rely on the grapnel boost too much and aren't anticipating how you're what direction you're going to need to, to actually be going when you once you've uh, reached the boost point. So uh, another element we haven't really talked about um, is uh, an element that I felt was improved noticeably f- uh, compared to Asylum was the the actual combat. Now it didn't need dramatically improving. Um, I think you know, most of us thoroughly enjoyed yeah. the crazily simple yet horribly addictive and 
deliciously rhythmic combat of Asylum. But um, on playing City again, just it, it, it's a slightly weird comparison because I've gone from playing the 60 frames a second PC version of Asylum to the, the slightly jerkier uh, mm. PS3 version of, of City. But there's still... They they still just sort of feel, it felt like they refined it a little bit and there's a few extra moves double attacks double mm. takedowns things like that and a few extra little things you can do um, and getting in amongst as I say the 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 buzz of getting in amongst a gang from you know that you've chosen to come at from any number of angles or or flown in from you know fifty yards away two hundred yards away or whatever has a has a has a Batmanish thrill that perhaps uh, no other Batman game. Has the made. curious thing about this is that I actually felt that the combat was was sensitive. I mean, technically it was better. I mean, there's definitely a lot more variety that you can pull out uh, when you're engaging thugs. But I like that simplicity in the first game, you know? Um, and City, I didn't bother... I mean, I tried using the gadgets for a while, but I just I figured out that I enjoyed just punching them in the face a lot more. Yeah, I'm, I tend to be the same for the most part. Mm. So even though, like, it's a more varied game and you get more out of it if you put more into it, but I didn't want to put that much into it, you know? I, I enjoyed just that it's a very basic level of countering and grappling and occasionally um, throwing your cape at uh, somebody with a knife. Mm. But I didn't want to get too much more into it than that, you know? I think if nothing else, for me, it's just the uh, the double counter, just uh, the fact that you can now be, if two people are, are on you, you can actually uh, take them both out at once. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I never went back to Asylum after playing City, you know? It's something that I always intended doing. So... You know, maybe if I went back to that combat engine, I'd probably miss a few things that City introduced and possibly Origins. Yeah. But um, my memories of, of Arkham uh, Asylum were stronger than City because a lot of the additions just didn't appeal to me as far as combat went. Yeah. I think the beauty of it, though, is that if, if you want to ignore all of those um, sort of fast takedowns, so the, the double button press takedowns um, and the, the sort of uh, quick fire uh, options that you've got as well, with the left tri- left trigger and, and a bunch of the different uh, the face buttons, we'll we'll all do a quick fire attack. Um, if you want to ignore those, you pretty much can, um, and and it still works uh, every bit as well for me certainly. You won't, as, yeah, as you won't lose style. your combo just because you're not. You 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 might lose out on variety bonuses, but you yeah, won't you definitely won't, won't be lose. penalized. Yeah, maybe remembering wrong, but also thought that there was a few different enemy types that had come in that um, if they didn't require certain uh, approaches. That I didn't want to do, um, they were definitely more difficult to take down without doing them. Mm. Possibly. Possibly, I don't think it was necessarily different enemy types so much. Perhaps it was more just the yeah the number of enemies and configuration of enemies that came at you kind of demanded. It, in it could be that you know. I mean, like those, yeah. I, I didn't like brief, not so much brief, but like short and snappy combat uh, mm. engagements. Yeah. And City did throw a lot more at you, and it was really that yeah that trap of feeling that the more you throw at the player, the more you're, you're giving them. When it can actually be the reverse, you know. Oh, well, actually, whereas I may agree with that in terms of things like Riddler trophies, I actually uh, the more goons they throw at me as Batman in in the game, the more I enjoy it because I'm always thinking about how not you know as I've, as I said on on the previous podcast, not that I'm particularly amazing at it, but I'm always thinking about how high can I get that combo meter. So the the more yeah. the more goons and and stuff they they kind of when they come barreling around the corners you know hey there's a fight going on over here kind of thing i'm like yeah bring it on i mean i I could definitely i can definitely understand that and i mean there are moments when there's a if the story beat you knows like that there's supposed to be shitloads of guys attacking you and um you're never going to get out of it alive and then you triumph and then because you've just been so badass i can understand that 
It's just that occasionally, just random encounters just took too long. I have this problem with uh, the infamous games as well, where I'm simply trying to get somewhere, just uh, engage with the traversal, which I think in, in infamous is very, very good. Um, but just random encounters with enemies, especially in that game, can interrupt that too much. And I, I was certainly dissuaded in City from engaging in the political uh, prisoner um, notifications that you get. You know, Batman will hear them, and you can you can uh, try and rescue a political prisoner who are the the good prisoners in Arkham City, um, while everyone else is is undeniably evil. Um, I tended to find that I just wanted to stay away from the ground for the most part because the random encounters just felt like they were stopping me getting wherever I wanted to go. And I felt like there was enough of the combat just in the main uh, and side missions. There was plenty of the combat to sate my appetite for that. Um, what I will say is I'm no great shakes at this combat at all. Um, 30 is usually my sort of upper echelons of um of my combo meter and if i get to 40 i think i have a nosebleed and pass out so um and and i found it pretty much on par with with arkham asylum in terms of my ability to 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 reach that sort of combo number um and and it, it seemed very uh it was certainly evoking all the same feelings as as asylum did i'd i'd say the the extra additions improved it a little bit just in terms of the variety but Otherwise, it's every bit the match for Asylum for me in terms yeah. of combat. Jay? Uh, I, I really I like the, the combat system. It's funny, I never once ever pay any attention to the combo meter whatsoever <laughs> just when I'm playing it. It's just, you know, I like, you know, if there's a load of them there, the more the merrier. In <laughs> fact, um, you know, for that kind of combat, uh, it's only the Batman games have only been surpassed recently with um, Assassin's Creed 3, which, whilst many may not agree with it, I thought had some of the best hand-to-hand combat stuff uh, in a game that I've experienced and, and so, really got into it. Just to, uh, just to uh, pick up on something there, you're saying that you didn't actually check the, the combo meter at all. I but, never pay attention to that when but, I'm fighting. I yeah. just, just want to just batter as many the thing villains is, I mean, as possible. And a lot of games, I don't care about the combo meter because it's just uh, a score, you know? Yeah. But in this, it does actually affect combat because when you get to certain uh, milestones in the combat meter, you can pull off special attacks. So I was just wondering yeah, if I you... Yeah, would... I mean, the funny thing is that when I'm playing it, it's like I'm not looking at the number, I'm not even paying attention to it. and Because, you know, it only takes a single hit to a to single strike from them to, to knock it out yeah. anyway. And I often get hit, so I didn't really <laughs> care. Yeah. If, if by some perchance that I do get... One of those special moves. I'm going by the, you know, you you get the button prompt, don't you? So it's yeah. just, uh, right. yeah. Then it, yeah. My eyes were usually locked on the combo meters, so I could tell when it was coming up. I was just wondering if you used them at all, and uh, obviously you did. Yeah, you can almost you can sort of play it by sound and feel, mm. which is uh, which is interesting. We talked about the combat in the previous game being a little bit like a rhythm action. It's like playing Patapon with Batman and his fists. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, so I said we'd briefly come back to Calendar Man. So uh, this was uh, a sort of interesting inclusion. I'm always, I've always been a real fan ever since uh, consoles first got built in clocks, where the Saturn was the first one, I think. Um, and uh, every few months, the the you'd have to reset it because the CR two hundred three two lithium cell would die, and you'd have to buy another one. Um, but games like uh, Nights into Dreams would have a, a, a clock that told the time and things like that. Mm. And I've always been into it, day night cycles and all that sort of thing. Calendar Man kind of went a bit further with a very um, not ambitious in in the implementation, but in ambition ambitious in the sense that it asked 
theoretically people who who didn't do time traveling via the system <laughs> clock to come back over the space of yeah pretty much 12 months to yeah. Yeah. uh to visit him in his cell and i don't actually know to what end i can't remember what you actually get out of it do you have to do them all to get a, Not tr- as an a, trophy. a trophy yeah the achievement. It's, it's an achievement yeah it's an achievement that's it um there's okay there's nothing in game aside from the satisfaction, and it is quite right. entertaining to see yep. what he's going to say um, and how it's going to be slightly, how it's going to feel slightly different as well. Mm-hmm. Just going to see him on different um, days, they get progressively creepier. He tells right. a story associated with a kill that he is he's made on a particular day. Because obviously his thing is he um, attacks people on notable days of, so of the year. You're saying progressively there. I mean, is that just the did it just happen to be like the sequence in which you've seen them? Or, uh... well, this, so the sequence I saw them was the sequence you would have seen them if you'd started oh, yeah. when the game was released and mm. went went through, yeah, mm. chronologically. Yeah, um, I had every intention of doing this, but of course I ended up... Uh, actually, I gave the game away to a friend, but um, yeah, now I've got the game again on PS Plus. I haven't even considered doing see, so. See, the thing is, I, I, I totally understand how this ties into the mythos, and it's mm. probably the best way that Rocksteady could have approached it. But for yeah. me personally, I think it would have been every bit as good as if you just went back at different points of the game and he told you then, you know? Uh, I don't know. I'll just I, in, and out, say, in got... and out the door. In, so, out, so... in and out, new story, you know? I think what happened at the time, and I, I remembered, and I obviously circum, circumnavigated this, but what happened at the time was there was actually a, a, a game via Twitter. There was a group of people who would who would make sure they would tweet on the morning of of a notable day because uh, what would happen if you went in between those days was he would give you a hint as to what day was next that you had to go so if it was valentine's day or christmas day or whatever and what would happen was people would tweet on the morning of the day to say reminder everyone go and see calendar man um which is a really neat way of doing it now obviously you could cynically say they did that to stop people selling the game they needed to go and get this achievement and wanted to see, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But nonetheless, I think in terms of the the list of Easter eggs that you've mentioned, Leon, it's amazing mm. how much thought and effort has gone into uh, into this aspect of Arkham City and clearly shows that the people at Rocksteady have massive affection for um, just creating something that, f- that feels really like a, a massive thank you to fans of Batman who are, who are playing this mm. game. This this particular puzzle, I've been, I don't know why I've not looked at the internet to figure it out, but sometimes <laughs> you get, you know, resistant to that yeah, sort yeah. of easy way out. And I've just, every time I've gone into the game, I've gone back to see him and I couldn't figure out why he's always got the same response, always saying the same thing. And I know there's a trophy, so it's like, it's always been teasing me. And now I know, now you I know. You didn't realise it was tied into the real date? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't at yeah, all. And awesome. it's it's like I've never. I've. I, 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 you know, sometimes I, I question why I've never looked on the. You know, maybe it was just whilst the game was there and I've been playing, I've been like wanting yeah. to figure it out. But then as soon as I've taken the game out, I've just forgotten about it. But if they'd done it Darren's way, you'd have seen them all. By well, now, so. I kind of <laughs> yeah. feel they should have done it where if you'd signed up to their website, they sent an email reminder or something, something mm-hmm. to per- perhaps. They were they were tweeting it for ages actually. Yeah, and right. um, if you followed. Rockstar, yeah. uh, Rocksteady. I've also mentioned that I knew about this before the game even came out because I was reading previews about it. It's not yeah. something they were being shy about. I see. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't. But, but then yeah. for Jay, you know, as as you said, Jay, it was a year later that you got the game, yeah. so you wouldn't have paid attention yeah. to any of that at the time. And as so often, by uh, certainly by the time a year had gone by, in theory, that quest line was over for anyone who'd really stuck, you know, 
mm. tooth and nail yes. to doing it. And there were a lot of people who wanted to do it, you know, properly, legitimately, if you like. Again, uh, just to touch upon the fact that there was a little uh, couple of uh, downloadable packs, uh, n- uh, Nightwing pack, which was uh, challenge maps only. Um, so he played, uh, he had slightly different combat again I, I didn't play it so is it somewhere between Catwoman and Batman perhaps a bit lighter and lighter than Batman but I haven't played him um, okay. neither have I I mean when I first packed the game up I intended to do it but um, as I said I was slightly disappointed yeah. with the game and I never went yeah. back yeah of course um, there were some skins for Batman, uh, various um, celebratory skins from different uh, they, versions they of the game. They were pre-order bonuses as well, as well, I think. The most relevant and substantial one sounds like Harley Quinn's Revenge, which came out uh, six months after the game and uh, is set after the events of Arkham City and features Quinn and uh, Robin. Um, but I assume none of us played yeah, that I'll, either. I'll, I'll, yeah, I played yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go for it. Um, quite forgettable, to be quite honest. Um, I'd help that. I mean, yeah, well, it, it all takes kind of place in, in it's not so much the, the, the whole city this time, it's more just around that fun house section. Oh, the steel mill, yeah. yeah. the steel mill. And um, yeah, it just, I, I was, it felt a little flat, you know. In fact, so mm. much that I'm struggling to actually remember major pointers in it other than, you know, I mean, obviously his combat's changed where you've got his sort of staff slash shield, of you know, thing and all the rest of it, but... Um. Mm. <laughs> Sounds awesome, James. I really liked it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've since found Why, out James? that it cost ten pounds when it was released, and for what is two hours of gameplay, that would I I I'd have felt um I think much less positive on it than than having got it in the in the Steam Game of the Year uh, collection for it. What is essentially you know pennies because it was so cheap when i picked it up um yeah i mean it's all relative yeah isn't it? absolutely I mean, definitely five, five pounds an uh, hour is is equivalent to any number of other forms oh, of entertainment oh, yeah, absolutely. but when you can get the game at, at three pounds on in or the, the humble warner bundle yeah exactly the yeah. Of a, um, of a pound it seems a bit crazy. but uh, i think the thing that impressed me and i think the reason probably it, it was priced like that was um they've redressed the whole uh steel mill um, because obviously, well, not obviously, actually, I should explain. This is set uh, two weeks after, two weeks, I think it's two weeks. It might be yeah, two, two, that, two weeks, yeah. yeah. After the, yeah. the game is finished and it's, uh, so the steel mill has been where Harley has retreated to with all of Joker's goons who are now her goons and therefore dressed slightly differently. Obviously the, the same, you know, they've now got her logo on the back as as all the thugs kind of, or all the... Uh, thugs do in in the game um mm. and and there are areas of it that are um almost um a, you know a mausoleum to to the joker or a shrine to mm. him um and so the idea is that you start off as robin batman hasn't been heard from for two days um you know he went into the steel mill um he has been very different since uh the joker died seemed very withdrawn even more spoiler mostly. alert <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I was just coming on to that. But yeah, yeah, we're, get, we're getting happens. to the ending, but that's, yeah, that, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's fine. So uh, he's been very, Batman's been very withdrawn, went off to the steel mill on his own, doing his brooding thing like he does, and hasn't been heard from for two days. It turns out Harley Quinn and um, her goons have, have captured him. Um, they led him in there, and, and you get to play that section as Batman as a sort of flashback. Um, and you go in as Robin, 
they've kidnapped some police officers who you have to rescue, and then ultimately you have to rescue Batman and then uh, defuse some bombs as Batman that, that Harley set off. Um, and all of that probably doesn't sound terribly interesting, except that it was just the fact that you were going back through the steel mill through what were ostensibly familiar rooms, but they looked very different. You were coming at them from different directions, um, and it, it gave it a certain sort of kind of familiarity, but an uneasy familiarity, because um, you weren't quite sure where it was going. Uh, Robin plays slightly differently, um, fewer gadgets, but again, he's, he's pretty spry, uh, quite quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I just had fun uh, playing with it. It's a couple hours. It, as as Jay said, Jay said, it's nothing spectacular. It's probably pretty forgettable, but uh, given I hadn't enjoyed Arkham City that much originally, or as much as I expected to originally, and uh, going back to it hadn't wowed me in ways that um, that it hadn't done originally at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just thought it was a really great... I was happy to go and spend an extra two hours playing the game slightly differently, seeing something new. Now, I can't remember how the story gets there, uh, probably partly to do the fact that it was two years ago since I played it through, and partly because the story is a little bit, or for me, it was a little bit disjointed because um, I got so repeatedly distracted by all the shiny things. But the ending is, if nothing else, I think it's fair to say a bold one. Mm. Um, And I kept, I mean, there are hints that maybe all isn't what it seems, but... uh, James has already alluded to it. Uh, well, I've, I've already died. said it. Yeah. And, I'd, and I'd also like to just kind of point out at this point that um, Talia Al Ghul, which is like one of Batman's ex-love interests, yeah. she dies as well mm-hmm. in pretty much the same location. And yet, and a dad. Yeah. And Batman comes <laughs> out ca- really sad carrying the body of the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't so, stop laughing at that point. point. Well, he's got quite... I mean, overall, there's quite... They a, have a relationship. Yeah, there's, there's a surprising body count in this game because you've got... Basically, Hugo Strange gets murdered by Rachel Ghoul, and then he dies getting thrown out of the building, and then, you know, Talia gets sort of killed later, and then as well, along with the Joker. So, I mean, he's quite a... Uh, when you say it's bold, it is in many ways, I think. It's, uh, do you think... Do you feel... Do you fellows feel that the game earns this uh, sort of laissez-faire attitude to slaughtering uh, legendary Batman villains? Well, I mean, I think it, it's at least consistent with the way that it uh, affords them in the respect, you know? They're coming in for very short periods of time and then they're just getting wiped out like flies. How does this work in terms of, like, for those who are invested in Batman comic book lore and things, how does this work? Is it just separate? Is it is it canonical now? The, now, the thing is, not? I mean, I'm, as I said, I'm not a Batman uh, comic reader, but I do get the feeling that there's so many Batman universes that it's just like yeah, um, yeah. side stories for them, basically, you know? So how it works. Yeah, there, there's several different official canons depending upon whether it's animated TV series or or the different film canons, and I think this stands on its own. It's the Arkham series, the Arkham trilogy, as it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's not like killing them off in the game is going to keep them dead for other forms of media or the comics, you know. No, I mean th- there are hints d- in in some mm. of the Easter eggs after the game finishes that that certainly exactly. some of them are not dead, but the Joker is the one that they do seem to with the uh, Harley's Revenge DLC have have kept. Yes, well, no, <laughs> because there are secret radio oh, transmissions. Radio trans- yeah, there is isn't implying there? Yeah. that he's not gone forever. And I mean, Rachel Gould certainly actually disappears in the new game. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's not his body's not yeah. there, but this sword is. Things I thought like that, that so. Rachel Gould was supposed to be a model in the comics. 
he is. I mean, he's six hundred years old. So I mean, and because yeah. he uses, uh, as as it's alluded to in the game, the Lazarus Pit. Yeah. So well, it, yeah, it, you, you see, know, you see clearly in the game, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. Whether in, he in is theory, actually, all you know, it, all it would have taken is for some of the League of Shadows um, to have picked up his body and taken mm-hmm. it back to the Lazarus Pit, which is surely something they would have tried, uh, given their. Um, yeah, so maybe you know, I, there's that you could throw into question, you know, whether anybody's dead in the in the game. Um, although I'd say that Hugo Strange is most definitely because he didn't just get stabbed; he got blown up as well. So perhaps Rocksteady themselves realised that if they were going to end up making another one, and we actually don't know if they are at the moment, but we suspect they probably are working on some sort of next generation uh, Batman title that maybe they didn't want to have quite so many <laughs> antagonists in it. So they, they yeah. bump a few off, free themselves of the shackles of the Joker and uh, and move on to something else. I mean, they've still got dozens to work from. They could bring back in any number of the yeah. comedy yeah. obscure ones from, from times gone by. I think it would be pretty good if you but saw it, in the sequel that um, Hugh Strange got shoved into a bucket and then tipped into Lazarus Pit. <laughs> well, anything. It's comic book, you know, they could do yeah. anything. Superman, just put um, Superman on it and that would sort everything out, you know? Yeah, Superman's always a, a winning uh, aspect <laughs> for video games. It's been proven time and time again. Solve my maze. Um, it's high time we heard from some of our excellent forumites. Uh, Darren, it's traditional that you read out Derek's. Okay. On the forum, we have Derek Ritchie who says, Arkham City felt to me like a victim of ambition. Now, that is something I cannot fault. I want developers to push themselves into trying new ideas, even if they are sometimes executed in a faulty manner. The brawling feels meaty and is added to in subtle and clever ways that require more planning, but never impacts the flow. The slice of Gotham presented is maybe more contrived, but still has superb art direction, and the acting and villains de- delivered excellent performances to males. What was not as strong was the pacing. The story beats never felt as consistent. And I had a sense of more padding being inserted to provide an excuse to go off somewhere instead of being a logical progression step. The side stories were worse affected, coming and going in the blink of an eye, and never being clear in progression leading to a large flurry of running about at the tail end of the title just to try and close everything off. I still thoroughly enjoyed the game. Despite the narrative problems, the act of exploring, fighting and using equipment techniques to discover secrets never got old, and the addition of the glide ability created a greater scale of verticality that just added to the mystique of being Batman. Slamming down from a skyscraper into a group of goons felt as empowering as anything in Asylum and as a superb addition to the series. Rocksteady probably reached a bit too far during City, but it's still a tremendous title and one that's well worthy of a playthrough. Thank you Derek and Darren. James and with Baker's Twelves. I love the gameplay in Arkham City. I love the story in Arkham City. I just don't like them together. The gameplay works in a in a if it ain't broke, don't fix it way. Just a few tweaks, that's all that was needed. I thought some of the side quests were really good, Hush's introduction being a standout to me. The story, when not as amazing as Asylum, is still really good with some fine twists and turns as the story goes. The big problem is that the structure of the game is at odds with the structure of the story. There are many times when there is a sense of urgency in the plot, but Bats then potters about Arkham City collecting things. I've since played a new game plus after 100% the first playthrough with wow. yeah, <laughs> with all the Riddler and side quests done, the story seemed much improved. Also, the hidden hold of the ship really makes me hope Rocksteady make another Arkham game. That was the Scarecrow. Okay, that's, that's another Easter egg. Um, so like they put in Asylum, there's a hint at a, a future game, is there? 
it tells you what one of the cartels from Asylum is doing that isn't in uh, the main quest of City. Or even the side quest, he's just like in this little Easter egg. Yeah, as I say, they they simply, there is no announcement as regards to what Rock City are currently doing. Uh, the only there? hint was that originally they said that the next Arkham game would be, or, or the one of the next Batman games was going to be a Golden Age Batman game. Now, I think that was miscommunication and probably they meant yeah. Origins. Um, yeah. But Kevin Conroy uh, let slip uh, a year ago now, I think. Uh, maybe not, maybe yeah. not quite that long, but let slip that he was involved with um, Warner Brothers and on another Batman game, mm. and obviously isn't in Origins. So there's something going on there, mm. but yeah, no, no word. It'd be strange for Origins to come out with Conroy's voice, but then for them to have a a different uh, a different Batman game with him back in. I'm but, I'm gonna say it's a Batman versus Superman tie-in, yeah, game. or or a Justice League game or something <laughs> yeah. like that, maybe. And finally, from the forum for this issue, Alex Dola says, I loved Arkham Asylum, and having been a huge Batman fan for pretty much my entire life, this was a very early purchase for me. The game oozed quality right from the start. The cinematic way the credits were still rolling as the game began, an oft-used technique, but this was a great example of it. I remember being pretty shocked as I discovered Bruce Wayne being led into Arkham City. I don't know how much of the storyline had been revealed before the release, but I'd been careful to avoid anything about the game, so it was a surprise to me at least. Once the game proper began, everything that made Asylum such a great game had made a return. The ultra-tight combat, the gadgets, etc. An early standout moment for me was when Bruce first gets into his bat suit and the camera pans up across the city. It gave you a real sense of the excellence to come. I like the way that whilst given a casual glance, the game would appear to be a super serious and maybe even po face take on Batman. Even slightly looking past that revealed that the game was being played completely for laughs. The stupid cheesy one-liners that Catwoman especially came out with would have been right at home on the Camp 70s TV series. 60s, I think. We'll let him We'll let him off. As I replayed the game recently, I was impressed how well most of it stood up. The boss fight with Mr. Freeze was a highlight for me, giving you massive scope on ways to take him out. Fighting Rachel Ghoul was something I really enjoyed too, although I get the feeling that particular boss battle may divide the audience a little. I really like the old school watching out for attack patterns and slowly taking him down. Overall, the game was brilliant, and whilst I did prefer the more claustrophobic nature of the first game, this was a more than worthy sequel. What did strike me, however, on replaying the game was how short it is if you ignore the side missions. The main story probably only took me about six to seven hours to complete, but having said that, completing the story mode didn't even give me 20% completion, so it's obvious there's so much more to the game than just that. Fair enough. Thanks, Alex. Thanks to everyone who posted on the forum in the uh, existing All Things Batman Arkham thread. Uh, we did talk a little about the history of Batman games in the previous podcast, and I did a feature of it for BT Games, if you're interested. Now, from Twitter, we have three word reviews, starting with Darren. Neil Taylor says, a mixed bag. David Merritt says, superb, stupid story. Uh, Nathan Druitt says, finished by mistake. Is that, is that one of those games that you can do that? Suddenly do the end before you've done everything you wanted to do? Um, I suppose if you just focused on the yeah, story c- stuff. Kind of, the if you just sort of stumble yeah. into the theatre at the end. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Mm. Alan Wilkinson says, Dick Van Cobblepot. Andy Rodriguez says, Amazing Freeze Fight. Andy Piddy says, Still Missing Vehicles. Decay hmm. says, Not Adam West. Jonathan Edwards says, wasn't as engaged. Teflon212 says, so much fun. Ellis Spice, bleak Catwoman ending. 
that's the the and, optional early ending where you you if you're playing as Catwoman, oh, you yeah. can choose to leave. Um, that's right. Yes, I did try that out on my first playthrough. Yeah, I I, I've got mixed feelings. I think it's very clever. I think it's nice that you get the option to do that. I think the fact that you rewind it and then you you just get the she just says, "No, no, I've got to go back. No, no, I've got to go back." It's like oh. It would have been nice to see some conviction there, I guess, almost. I think it would have been great if you deleted, uh, deleted your save file if you did that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a Steel Battalion style. Pixeloman says Dark Knight personified. And finally, Danny B, as much of a fan as Alex from the forum, says Batman's absolute zenith. We always like to finish on a positive. Let us see our own heartfelt but hyperbole-free summary, starting with James Carter. Um... I, there's so much to like about Arkham City. Um, I, the Hush side mission, the Azrael side mission, um, the the combat is just every bit as good as Arkham Asylum. It is, to me, the, the best example of that combat, this side of something that's much more combat-focused, like uh, a Devil May Cry or, or a Bayonetta. It's, it's a stripped-back version and, and really feels... It makes you feel powerful, but it also uh, you're you're sharply aware of that you need to be on your toes at all times, and I, I love that about this game. Um, my overriding feeling of it, though, is that this is a game where the story was shoehorned around the characters, whereas I'd have preferred to see it the other way around. Um, and I think it affected the pacing and the atmosphere, not necessarily just by having an open world, um, but just something about it didn't quite work for me in that I, I didn't come away thinking, wow, like I did with Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum to me was a haunted house where from the moment you got into that game, you were just trying to pick through it and go over in your mind and there was so much to discover. Um, Arkham City felt more like a fun fair where you're kind of bouncing from one ride to the next. That's kind of the analogy I'd use, I suppose. Um that needn't necessarily be a bad thing, but I think there's there's some great highs, like some of the side missions I've mentioned, and then there's some lows where there's just sections of the game where you feel like you know you're going to go and see the penguin to get Mister Freeze. It's just it a lot of it just feels like you're going places for the sake of going there and not necessarily um, for you know to further a story along. Um, and, and that's unfortunate, I think, because Arkham Asylum showed that, you know, there is a, a really sort of, um, there's a really great atmosphere created by having a sort of that claustrophobia, that enclosed space um, and, and telling a story within that that makes sense and still being able to put in Easter eggs and hints at the larger world of, of Batman. Um, I think Arkham City was maybe too big, too fast, and it could have used a little extra time to get to that sort of scale. But it's still undeniably, for me, a, a fantastic game. So conflicted, I guess. Yeah, uh, I certainly wasn't as aware at the time when I was first playing Arkham City that I would probably end up feeling having mixed feelings about it. So in a way, I suppose I'm saying, I'm not just saying I'm not part of the reviewers union or anything, but I can understand why, you know, on the first 10 to 15 hours of playing this, this, you know, you would give this like, wow, you know, amazing, you know, five out of five rave. It's bigger, it's better, it's more, it's, you know, it's everything we wanted, but actually, you know, returning to it somewhat, I do find that, uh, having returned to asylum recently, my affection for city has dimmed more. 
Um, but that said, there are a lot of things I really, really like about it. Um, I really, I like things like the snowy setting. Um, it reminds me a little of Batman Returns, which we talked about before. Yeah. Um, sort of for me adds to adds adds a certain chill um, to the gothic atmosphere. I I enjoyed the improvements they made to the combat, and I like just the feeling of of stalking. Um, you know, they they talk so much about being the predator, the Batman predator, and those moments are still in there. In the I suppose they're sort of the equivalent of Zelda dungeons, some of the actual indoor sections, the levels. But being the Batman in a larger area, in a in a in a taller, higher area, was a lot of fun. Even if occasionally I felt that the extra flying abilities kind of diluted that feeling a little bit. Um, Rather than uh, James's fairground analogy, I'm going to use a, a dessert analogy. Um, I, th- I think it is a loose and over-egged pudding, but um, it's still extremely tasty. Just probably don't eat every last morsel of it if you want to come away having feeling satisfied. And da- Darren Foreman. Well, I'm a lot more down on this game than you two are. The thing is, there, from the outside, there is so much to like about this game. Rocksteady obviously did their absolute best to throw in as much as possible to satisfy any Batman fan, any video game fan, and just anyone that wanted to see their favourite, you know, just a good old comic book showdown. But for whatever reason, the more I played this game, the less I liked it. And by the point that I was in the Penguin's Lair, pulling myself on a little ice raft past the, the shark, I felt that the game had... If not jump the shark, at least pulled a little ice floe over the top of it, you know? <laughs> and yeah. it's, it really is a game that could have been done with a tighter focus, but no matter how you look at it, or at least no matter how I look at it, everything that was added, it just it felt like a, a more complete but less enjoyable version of, of Asylum. Um, it lost that linear focus that allowed it to be paced so well. And... For me, it just wasn't as strong a game. Um, I went into this game with a lot of high hopes, and even though, as I said, on the surface there's a lot to like about it, I just didn't like it. You know, the more I played it, the more disappointed I became. And that's a sad thing, but it's how I felt. Fair enough. Jay? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with a food-related uh, analogy. <laughs> I think it, to me, it's like a great big whopping bag of pick and mix. <laughs> Mm. Um, it, I, as I said earlier, I, I really enjoyed this game. Um, and whilst I understand where people come from with, with their criticism, see, I found personally that I got the kick that I got from Asylum when I was inside those, when you go, you know, in, in the particular buildings and have your sub boss fights and so on and so forth with this extra layer of big city to explore all the little so and, and the submissions and side quests and stuff that i really get into if, if they're done well you know as i found recently with gta and stuff i spend so much time just wandering looking for other stuff to do and so a game like this gave me that and and, and for that reason i think you know it sort of sits slightly higher within my own perspective on the first game, but it is a irrelevant a, a point these days but if you haven't got around to playing this um and you know, feel tempted, then it can be picked up for an absolute steal now. So I think it's very, very much you're going to get your money's worth out of it. Absolutely, I think um, for most people, yeah. I think generally, I think I, I, I haven't heard so many people as down on it as as Darren is. Um, I think the 
the the mixed is probably the most common reaction to it. But it's kind of a shame we're doing this. Obviously, we 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 deliberately timed this when we scheduled it, Tony and I, to to coincide with uh, well the first podcast to coincide with the release of Origins. But it's kind of a shame that it just so happened that um, both the uh, Humble Warners bundle and the PlayStation Plus uh, giveaway of Arkham City preceded it. But uh, hopefully that means a lot of people will have picked it up and even if they haven't played it before, will at least give it a go because they yeah. might enjoy it as much as Jay did. So it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank... Jay Taylor, James Carter, and Darren Foreman. And next time in issue 106, we'll be discussing Kill Zones 2 and 3. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>